what if leaders could learn the science and art of facilitation, not just to be able to conduct better meetings or conduct workshops, but to do better work as people managers. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Block, the building, learning, and organizational culture podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Kirby, and on today's episode, I chat with my friend, Bhakti Karkare, founder of Third Loop Learning, about leadership development and advice and tips for leaders. So whether you're a new leader, a seasoned leader, or an aspiring leader, this one has something for you. Hey, Bhakti, how are you? Hi, Heidi. I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. I'm good. Thanks for joining me. So we'll jump right in. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about your career path, where you started, and how you ended up founding Third Loop Learning? Yeah. Um, I started my career right after my MBA in human resources. I worked in corporate HR, OD, and learning and development roles for more than a decade in India. And then I moved to the US in 2019, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And so obviously my job search when I got here did not go very well or as planned. And while I was waiting to find the right opportunity, the right job, I started finding right work. So I couldn't find the right job, but work started coming my way. The kind of workshops I would like to facilitate, the kind of consulting I I, I was, you know, looking to do. And as as more and more work started coming, it, it seemed like an indication to just start a company. And that's how uh, I became an accidental entrepreneur. I started Um, my company third loop learning because my clients asked me to do so and that's how I love it third loop learning was born yeah that's awesome so what is behind the name third loop learning oh there were first of all it's it's so difficult to decide what do you want to name your company it's it is so overwhelming um but I was always fascinated by the learning theory which talks about three loops of learning um and I was always fascinated by the idea of the third loop of learning so in case you don't remember the first single loop learning is you know showing how to follow rules double loop learning is about changing or modifying the rules and uh, being able to reflect on the rules and the third loop is like the most evolved form of learning where you learn how to learn and as a facilitator I've always been a very, very attached to the idea of reflection and learning going together. Um, And I try to create that level of learning in the groups uh, that I'm working with. So that that was always the idea. And three also is my lucky number. It's my birth date. So I decided, oh, this makes sense. So let's call the company Third Loop Learning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it just fits and it just makes sense when you're like, okay, that's it. Like when you see it, you know, right? Absolutely. That's how it was. Nice. So on LinkedIn, you describe yourself as an inclusive leadership expert and that you help leaders and managers become better facilitators. I'd love it for you to tell me a little bit about your philosophy behind this. How do you create inclusive leaders from successful facilitators? Yeah. So I, I started my career very early on in facilitation and, uh, Pretty soon, I started developing facilitation skills in others. And as I started doing that work, coaching others to be facilitators, a lot of them started reporting that, you know, learning facilitation skills 
has changed the way they influence and the change the way the way they lead teams uh, or the way they interact with their team members and how they uh, can create cohesion in teams and more and more leaders who were who, who I was coaching to be facilitators started talking about their transformational experience after undergoing facilitation training and that was kind of a light bulb moment for me you know i i always used to question why do we think facilitation is always uh, connected to conducting workshops and discussions and yeah. that got me start uh, you know started to think what if leaders could learn the science and art of facilitation not just to be able to conduct better meetings or conduct workshops but to do better work as people managers and what if they could understand group dynamics build psychological safety understand the power of intentional listening art of reframing overcoming resistance all the things that leaders uh, facilitators learn uh, on their journey to become facilitators and i believe that is the foundation of inclusive leadership uh, in today's world i think a leader is expected to be able to hold critical dialogue do coaching conversations build genuine relationships listen to employees and that that is what is essentially the job description of a facilitator that's what facilitators do yeah. but in in a workshop environment right so if this this science can be taken from just facilitating workshops into leadership i think there is a there is a huge connection between inclusive leadership and the and the way you can do inclusive leadership the acquiring yeah. of facilitation capabilities can help move the needle on dei work uh, and it can help a leader become better ally and a more inclusive individual and a leader. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking back to like my higher education um college teaching experience and mm -hmm. how I always said um when I when I moved through my career, I started in instructional design. I eventually was like, you know what? I want to be an L&D manager and mm -hmm when people came to me and they're like, well, you don't have any actual like leadership experience. I would think yeah. back to the classroom, right? Because I'm like, classroom management yeah. is heavy leadership experience. And I can say that now having been both a manager and yeah. a college professor that it, it draws from the same skill set. It really does because I would walk into a classroom mm -hmm. of non-traditional students, many of whom were much older than me right. and to establish that rapport with them and yeah. to, you know, get, inspire them and motivate them and get them yeah. to do the work, you know, as a young early twenties person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that takes skills, you know? That, yes. And, and if you do that, you learn so much than any leadership workshop or any, any course can offer you doing that can make you a, a leader. In a, in a day. I mean, I've seen people uh, just going through the theory of facilitation skills and then actually going to facilitate a workshop and they come out with transformational insights of how to manage groups and how to pay individual attention, but pay attention to the group and how to focus on content and the process that the group is going through. And I think that is essential leadership experience. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is kind of the biggest area of opportunity you see for leaders? So what a lot of times in your experience do you see as kind of their biggest weakness? Yeah, there's just so much to talk about there. But especially after pandemic, I think 
the pandemic completely changed the expectation that employees have from their leaders. I mean, we no longer need our leaders to have all the answers and to be perfect. Sure. It is humanized yeah. leadership and we want leaders to be genuine and kind and to first support us as humans. So I think it's it's time for leaders, uh, you know, those leaders who have always felt that they don't fit the traditional, charismatic, larger than life mold of leadership. It's time and it's, a, it's an opportunity for them to shine through. If you can genuinely build a table where everyone feels like they belong and then they can speak up and contribute, you are a leader. You don't have to be extraordinary to be a leader. And so I just remembered uh, when you asked me this question a few few months back, I think I, I wrote a post which resonated resonated a lot with people. And it was something like, what do you help others bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And it's so it's no longer about what you bring and what what uh, education you have or how how amazingly influential you are. It's more leadership is more focused on others now. And the more you will shine if you can build a level playing field for everyone and when everyone can be a leader in your presence and i think that's a shift and that i think a lot of leaders do not recognize yet they're very sure. focused on themselves shining themselves then really creating the environment for helping others shine and come out stronger right and and just in my experience it makes so much sense that if your team is successful you're successful and it's just so funny to me that so many people don't realize that they don't quite get it but I mean really the way I see leadership for me and how I build my team is how can I bring together the strongest people who are the best at what they do that's different from what I do and different from what each one does and how can we all contribute our individual strengths to do something amazing and what what role I play in that? Like, I just, I, this is pretty on the nose, but I just facilitate the yes, conversation, absolutely. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's where the connection for me is. I mean, and just because, you know, you're saying why, why is it that, you know, it's so obvious, just empower your team and you will be successful. And why is it not obvious to people or leaders is fascinating to me. And I think it comes from our own experience of how our leaders treated us or how we saw Mm. uh, when we were growing up, what is the definition of leadership? And it didn't come through. But now is the time that that conversation is happening and that kind of behavior, leadership behavior is accepted and promoted. Uh, And I think it's, it's a great time to see that change and shift happening. I love it. I love that idea that it's, it's, you know, kind of that, that, excuse that people always have is this is the way we've always done it right and we see that so much in learning and development all throughout right like yeah so many people still think of learning teaching as like the teacher standing up at the podium talking to the class yeah right yeah and we we've started to shift there too where we where we've said oh it can be so much more right yes. and it can be so yes. so much more interactive and so much more inclusive right absolutely and it's great that we're doing the same thing with leadership yeah i i'm very excited about this new change of uh, people understanding that leadership and culture are so intertwined and unless you change both together things will not move it will you will just keep going yes. round and round yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Because the big culture changes 
they have to happen from both the bottom and the yes. top, right? Yes. Like you have to have buy-in at the lower levels of the organization from the people actually doing the work, but you also mm-hmm. need leadership to model it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw yeah. a post ID um, which said culture is, stop talking about culture being leader driven. It is employee driven. And I, I do not completely agree with that. I would love to hear your thoughts, but I think some behavioral changes happen through modeling. Unless someone in power and influence changes and shifts gears, things don't move. And agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So I did I did a podcast episode on on psychological safety. Hmm. And part of the reason I did that episode was because Someone had reached out to me and told me about a situation where they were experiencing at work that they felt was just like a toxic work environment, and they didn't know what to do to change the culture. But they very specifically said that it were the, it was the leaders mm-hmm. who were creating the toxic workplace, and that and I my response was. Listen, if it's the leadership, there's not much movement or much traction that you can get. Yeah. Because at the very least, you need their support, but even better would be their modeling, exactly. right? Yes, yes. And that's that's so important. And that's what is the responsibility that comes with leadership. If you can't take that responsibility to be able to cha- be that change agent and be self-aware to make that change for yourself as well, it is not leadership in my eyes. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I think that's really good. So if we're considering kind of like this, I, I guess it's new leadership, right? If we, mm-hmm. if we want to call it that, because I think it has really shifted in big part because of the pandemic. But what would be like the top three characteristics of great leaders in this new kind of world of leadership? Yeah, because I'm, I'm coming from the world of inclusive leadership and leaders who want to create the right environments and spaces for others to thrive for me the first quality is curiosity to understand others just genuinely Mm, curious about what's going on in every nook and corner and what's this person feeling and what's this person how is uh, this process affecting other processes and the environment and people in my team so curiosity is definitely first on my list second is helping others reflect and this comes from the learning and development uh, angle that I have. But I think leaders who can help others reflect on their experiences are doing a great deal of uh, service to L&D itself. I mean, we we talk about courses and we talk about e-learning and this learning and that learning. But if people don't have the time and the space to be able to reflect on their own day-to-day experiences, they're really not capitalizing on uh, all that is available in the organization and workflow to learn. So leaders who can provide that reflection or, you know, nudge that reflection are are amazing at creating uh, learning cultures in their teams. And the third is accepting that you're not supposed to be the smartest person. Uh, This is again coming from that humble leadership and facilitation, facilitative leadership that once you know that you're not first, you're not supposed to be smartest and you're not. And just you are here to create a collective voice and collective opinion and shared understanding. Uh, those are the smart, smartest leaders. And those, in my opinion, are the leaders who create high-performing, loyal teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that 
I, I was just having a conversation earlier today. I was recording a podcast with some of my friends on my um, dissertation research, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how we were talking about how leadership is kind of this um, amorphous blob in the L and D world, right? And mm-hmm. like so many L and D leaders are from beginnings that aren't L and D. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. they're from other areas of business and, or they were just, you know, um, you, you know, they, they came to it from some other department yeah. and I've met so many different L and D leaders who are like that. Mm-hmm. But my thing is like, Hey, look, we have these facilitators, we have these instructional designers, we have these people who are leading people in in workshops and meetings yeah. and projects and they're leading projects and they're leading programs and they're writing their own curriculum and they are they are prime candidates yeah. for L&D leadership and why are we not developing oh, wow. them more and using them you are touching a very difficult nerve there yes <laughs> i have seen that so much you know and it was so fancy at some point specifically uh, in my career that you know bringing technology folks to lead HR and learning roles. It was a fancy thing. And everyone, yes. oh, that brings yes. in a business perspective to L&D. It's amazing. It's good to have that perspective. But I think the, the expertise we develop by doing what we do over and over again and and the kind of consultative um, approach that we develop is, is also very, very yeah. critical to success uh, in what we do and understanding our audiences and outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because we are so often in L&D considered a cost center. Yeah. Right. And we are constantly having to prove our worth and we have no choice but to be aligned with the business goals and outcomes or else, you know, they get rid of entire L&D departments if they don't. Yeah. I <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, that's a constant um battle or kind of conflict for sure i have that discussion a lot with a lot of people i agree that we need outside perspective but internally the expertise that we develop is also extremely critical to success of lnd yeah absolutely (laughs) so what advice would you give to other people who are are kind of in your shoes who are getting into talent or leadership development or who are thinking of starting their own own you know consulting business and and helping others well yeah uh i think one of my biggest uh, lessons from my career was developing this uh mindset of curiosity and and really getting into a space where i'm very confident to ask questions i think questions have been my mm. most meaningful most powerful tools in my consulting in facilitation in coaching um so really the one skill that i feel has helped me immensely in my in my work is the art of questioning and asking the right questions and that includes it starts with developing the right mindset that i'm here to ask questions and not know all the answers and that's a facilitator's mindset again. And second, yeah, that includes yeah. the confidence to ask questions. And sometimes it is very daunting to ask questions of certain people who are in authority or who are going to give you business and you don't want to you know, ask them questions that might make them uncomfortable, but really crossing that line and going beyond that fear to ask why, why is it that you want that? And why do you think 
this is this workshop is going to solve your uh, problem sure. uh, can really bring you closer to uh, bringing value to to whoever is asking you of uh, that solution and and it and the third is to really l- not stopping unless you find the answers that you're looking for and still being ready mm. to be asking more questions so i think that is one skill that has really helped me and i thought a lot about this question uh, and i think if this is the one skill that you need to develop and if you do it it can help you create better uh, relationships better understanding share understanding with people you're working with and can give you immense confidence to walk into any room and say okay i don't know everything and i'm just going to ask question and that creates a persona that is very consultative that is very facilitative and it can really help build uh, long lasting relationships yeah that's a really great point because in my in my dissertation research i know i keep coming back to it but mm-hmm. it's like my i just talked about it earlier today it's fresh yeah. in my mind but i interviewed 25 different instructional designers about about their processes hmm. and of of the 25 people that i talked to two shared almost the exact same situation where they had um been given a group of subject matter experts And when they met with the subject matter experts, they started asking all those questions. Mm -hmm. And then the subject matter experts started getting really defensive. Right. And they started, you know, thinking that their expertise was being brought into question. And in both of those cases, the project was was reassigned at their request because they were so highly offended. Mm. How can you what's something that maybe could set a better tone or could set kind of the context of like, hey, I'm going to ask a ton of questions. Yeah. It's nothing personal. It's just, you know, how do you, how do you kind of find that persona? Yeah, I think I think it, it is a lot of to and fro, but what you said is right, really setting that context as to why you are going into a questioning mode. Um, upfront that you know this is my style of working and i'm the the idea of asking questions is to create better shared understanding so that we don't uh do things that don't matter that really helps and second i think like you said the tone and the kind of questions you ask and this comes with practice that you know you're asking question in a certain manner it's not getting you answers change the way you're coming at it like you know for example you're sure. asking someone uh, like I, I do a lot of leadership interviews for my work and uh, or if I'm doing a learning project and I'm asking them what are the critical skills to survive or thrive in your team some leaders get very very uncomfortable with that question and mm. it's 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 in your uh, interest to kind of ask this question from a different angle saying hey if if uh, if someone is watching your team from outside what would they see successful players doing what behaviors would shine if okay. your team is a yeah. movie, what things would make it successful or a, or a hit movie? So, you know, you have to be a little creative to give people that space to sure. imagine, to be able to answer your question. Sometimes they don't have all the answers. And the and the um, the reason you're questioning is not just to get what they know, but to also what even they don't know. To really shine light on yeah. their blind spots that even you are not aware. So just coming at things from different angles and looking at how can I ask questions differently and creatively can really, like I said, create more understanding for everyone. And you may get information that you did not go in expecting. You might just sure. get, yeah, insights that are really amazing. And that's, that's what 
that is the power of questioning that you know it just yeah. shines light for everyone yeah absolutely i mean some of the biggest kind of like mind blown experiences i've had in my life have come from such simple questions yeah. right yeah. um i remember back earlier in my career i was working in a position and and i was talking to someone and i said you know, I'm just really stressed out. I'm just really anxious all the time. And they're like, well, is it work? And I'm like, no, because, you know, work is really boring and I'm not really doing much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's not anything going on. Mm -hmm. And this person said to me, all they said was, is that a problem for you? Yeah. <laughs> and my brain exploded. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is. I want to be busy. I want to be productive. I yeah. want to be doing things like mm -hmm. that's why I'm so yeah. anxious and feel so restless. It's because I'm not accomplishing anything. Yes. So I love that. Yeah. And you know, sometimes the best mentors or coaches, they'll just pick up a word that you used and they'll say, what do you mean by that? Tell me more about it. Yeah. And that just drops you into this very different space where you can reflect again, what I said, you know, good leaders help you reflect and they are incredibly self-aware and that's what they push people to do become self-aware think about why are you thinking this in this manner so yeah absolutely and i think that it takes time too right like good leaders have to allow time for their team members to get to know each other to be able to have that reflection and that requires just having time to talk about nothing yeah. seemingly right Absolutely. even yeah. though we know it's not nothing right yeah. we know that it's building relationships and it's but to like the business's bottom line yeah sometimes they see that as unproductive exactly right I mean, we, we have all seen people saying oh what does lnd do they just organize these fun workshops <laughs> team building right offsites were considered fun right but there's just so much value in why we do that and, and the impact of it in the long run. Yeah, we need to be able to articulate it better. But yeah, that's the value of these conversations. And that's why I again go back that leaders should be able to facilitate those conversations. And learning facilitation can help provide that kind of a framework of how to do it. Yeah. And what is your role as a facilitator or as a leader in those conversations? Um, where do you listen? Where do you guide the group? Where do you, you know, chime in or ask a question that yeah. can shine light on something that's not being spoken? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right. So my last question is the same one that I ask all my guests with a little bit of variant. So if you could recommend one resource of any kind for people to grow their leadership skills, what would it be and why? Yeah, we, we, we speak about psychological safety so much and I, I speak about inclusive leadership. And I think Timothy Clark's Four Stages of Psychological Safety, that's a book I'd recommend yeah. anyone, uh, whether they are at advanced stages of leadership or they're starting their journey. It's such a good framework to understand how to actually build psychological safety, not just from a philosophical perspective and behavior perspective, but sure. really assessing where, where your team is right now, really what that there are ways and types of psychological safety. And the book really provides a framework to define those types and see where are you lacking as a team, as an individual, uh, and what you can as a leader do to change whatever shape or form psychological safety 
exists in your i think it's a great resource very very easy read and very yeah. very practical so that's my recommend nice i actually just borrowed that ebook from my local oh. library and just started reading it yeah i'm not very far yet mm. but i just started so you love it awesome yeah Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I have loved our conversation. This is right up my alley. I'm so appreciative. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was I was so happy to hear from you uh, that you want me, me to be here. This is a great podcast. I listen to every episode. Thank you so much that thank you're doing you. uh, for the community. Thank you. Thanks again for joining me on the blog. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and review us on your favorite podcast platform. I hope you'll tune in again soon.